these bodies move around in the world, gather, gather together in the temple, sit together, spread out to walk, come back to the temple again. The bodies move around in the world, but the world is known here, in this mind, in this heart. Right now, there's hearing, sensations of the body, a thought, a mood, visual forms, a taste, a smell. Where do these happen? These all arise, take shape, dissolve, here within this field of awareness. The world is known here. It happens here. So even though we can say the objects move around in the world, everything that's ever been known about the world has been known right here. You are the center of the world. You're the heart of the world. Always have been. When there's this perspective, the development of this quality of, of wisdom, of vision, this quality of awareness, then along with the movement, the coming and going of sound, of feeling, visual forms and sensations, there's a stillness and ease, that knowing is always here, ever-present. Nobody's going anywhere. The world comes through the mind. When there's that quality of acknowledgement, awareness of that, then, along with a flow of movement, a flow of sound and images, tastes and smells. That's all happening within the space of awareness, the space of this heart. It doesn't go anywhere. Spacious, ever-present, receptive, not possessive. Doesn't hold on to anything, doesn't own anything, doesn't lose anything. Simply, knows and is awake. When the Buddha said, in this very body, with its perceptions and thoughts, there is the world, the origin of the world, the cessation of the world, and the way leading to the cessation of the world, this is what he means. The cessation of the world, it might sound like a disaster or an apocalypse, something undesirable. But the cessation of the world is really the cessation of the substantiality of the world, the solidity of the world. The cessation of the world is seeing its empty nature. Just 
sight, sound, smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling, emotion, memory, imagination, arising, taking shape, dissolving, right here. When the heart knows that empty, insubstantial nature of the world, it's free from birth and death, free from limitation by all the comings and goings. We say the sun rises and sets because of the attachment to the surface of the earth. We say it's morning, Thursday morning. The sun is about to rise. It's not because of the turning of the earth it seems to rise. But what does the sun know of its rising and setting? It just is what it is. It's the spinning of the earth that makes the sun seem to rise and set. Similarly, when the mind attaches to gain and loss, praise and criticism, happiness and unhappiness, health and sickness, gets born and dies, rises and sets with those conditions. When there's a, a letting go, a non-entanglement, it's like letting go of the surface of the earth and taking the position of the sun. The earth spins, praise comes, criticism comes, gain and loss, health and sickness, success and failure, comfort and discomfort. They come and go. But what's that got to do with anything real? Lumpocha once said, those who speak of birth and death are using the language of ignorant children. In the language of Dhamma, the language of the heart, there's no such thing as birth and death. That's a significant comment. Those who speak of birth and death are using the language of ignorant children. In the language of the heart, in the language of Dhamma, there's no such thing. From this perspective of awakened awareness, births and deaths come and go. Gain and loss, happiness and unhappiness, praise and criticism, integration, disintegration, they come and go. What's that got to do with anything real? On the level of worldly life, Lumpur Cha makes a comment to say, birth and death is the language of ignorant children. In the language of the heart, there's no such thing. But yet, on the worldly level, he was a scrupulous monk that would never never hurt a, a, a fly, would never kill a mosquito or an ant, a termite. On the worldly level, there's a profound respect for life, for the world of things. On the level of Dhamma itself, there are no things. Birth and death is the language of ignorant children.
Well, this is how vijja and charana work together. Vijja being awareness, awakened knowing quality. Vijja, clear seeing. And charana, conduct, action, speech. They work together. Vijja and charana sampano. This is a quality of the the Buddha, the quality of the awake mind. The vijja, the awareness, is partnered by the care and sensitivity in terms of conduct. If there's just the awareness and it's dissociated from conduct, then our behavior becomes chaotic, confused, destructive, crazy. The mind focuses on the conduct and loses sight of the awareness, the ultimate perspective. Then we get fussy and anxious, worried about our every word, every action. Avijja and Charana work together. As a and Pucha once put it, the Dhamma is all about letting go, the Vinaya is all about holding on. When you work out how those two fit together, you'll be fine. But this is uh, the way of the Buddha, embodying that quality of perfect wisdom, seeing that ultimately there is no birth and death, no being to be born, no being to die. And on the conditioned level, the worldly plane, there is a quality of care, compassion, kindness, thoughtfulness in terms of speech and action, attentive to how the world works, the laws of nature, how life functions. Dhamma and Vinaya, holding on and letting go. They work together. So the Buddha cared for the world, had infinite compassion for the beings of the world, but was not burdened by the world. This is why I like to use the term unentangled participating. So, our hearts engages with the world, takes care of this body, our duties, our friends, our family, is alert to, attuned to, the laws of the physical world, laws of society, what leads towards peacefulness, harmony, benefit for ourselves and others. is a participating, an engagement of the heart with the world. But it's unentangled, it's free of grasping, free of identification. So there's an attunement to the world without being bound to the world, without being born into it, without identifying. Lokavitu, knowing the world. When we speak of the middle way, 
the middle way is this very quality of balance, balancing Dhamma and Vinaya, holding on, letting go. The relative plane and the ultimate plane. How these fit together, how they work together. The Buddha is the prime example for this. Fully awake, alert, attentive, creative, active in engaging with the living world, the people, things. Alert to the needs of the people around him, the different situations, who he's talking to, what's needed in any one moment. But yet his heart is completely unlimited not bound by any of the worldly conditions that are being attended to. So in our practice, as the the days unfold, sitting, walking, eating, cleaning our bowls, doing the washing up, going to our living spaces, gathering together for formal practice, There's the opportunity to explore this this balancing, this cultivation of the middle way, both participating in the the forms of the world, this body, the community we live in, working with the weather, with slippery surfaces, keeping things tidy, taking care of our duties. And at the same time, not creating the attitude of anxiety or judgment, buying into opinions and views, worries and criticisms. So to sustain that quality of balance, attuning to the world without being limited by the world, then developing a perspective on our own thoughts, our judgments. When the mind praises something, oh, that's a wonderful person, oh, she's really great, oh, he's really awful, mind complains and criticizes, oh, it's terrible, it's really stupid. To notice those judgments. to catch the mind's habits of praise and criticism, worry and planning, regretting, reminiscing, looking back into the past, creating what we loved, what we we hated, creating the people around us, to notice those habits of thought, judging this person as good, That person is awful. This one is wise. That one is crazy. To notice those patterns of thought, to recognize them as convenient fictions. They can only be part of the story. We don't have to suppress them or get rid of them or say, oh, that's got nothing to do with anything important. Wipe it out. Or the other extreme of buying into, believing in our judgments. Yeah, that person really is bad. He really shouldn't be that way. 
It's not suppressing or, or grasping, but knowing. Here is a thought. If we can develop a skill at knowing how thinking works, how judgment works, to know that every thought can only be a convenient fiction, a half-truth, just a, an easy way of describing the world that can only be partial, can only be a bit of the story. As the Buddha said, whatever you conceive it to be, the truth is always other than that. So, even if the judgments that we make might have a relative truth to them, today is Thursday. Yeah, it's relatively true. The mind doesn't have to attach to that doesn't have to make a thing of it. We don't have to pretend it doesn't have any validity. Conventionally speaking, today is Thursday, January the 10th. Conventionally, that's true. But we don't have to make a big thing of it. So in the meditation, we can develop the skill of knowing a thought just as a thought, a judgment just as a judgment. One of the easiest ways of doing this is to take a simple, non-emotionally loaded thought like today is Thursday. Notice the space before that, the quietness of the mind, and just think the thought, today is Thursday. Notice the space afterwards. Take a simple, benign non-personal, emotionally unloaded thought like that. Develop the skill of knowing a thought just as a thought, there in the space of the mind. Then if emotionally charged, loaded thoughts come along like, that person's wonderful, I wish I was like that, if only I was that way, everything would be great. Or criticizing thoughts, complaining thoughts, oh, that person's awful, he's so terrible, how could he be that way? We find that we can observe those thoughts in exactly the same way. Know the space before, know the thought as it forms, notice the space after. It's just a thought. A complaining thought, a praising thought, a worrying thought, fantasizing thought takes shape in the space of the mind arises, does its thing, dissolves in this very mind, this body with its perceptions and thoughts there's the world, the origin of the world the cessation of the world and the way leading to the cessation of the world just to know a thought as a thought, an opinion as an opinion. We don't have to suppress it, don't have to, to fear it, don't have to believe in it. To simply know it as it is. And the heart is no longer limited by the world. It knows the world, but is not bound by it. <laughs> 